This special edition of the Daily Tap is live for Saturday. We're going to talk about the Bucks Game 6 disaster. We're going to talk about Game 7, uh, preview that, as well as the city of Milwaukee embarrassing themselves on a national stage. We'll talk about that at the very end. Uh, but before we get going, make sure you're following along on social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, make sure that you're telling friends about us. I wouldn't tell friends about us right now because we don't have a lot of new episodes. But maybe in a week, maybe what you could do me a solid and say, hey, go well, listen to these guys, because um, that would be great. Um, we'd really appreciate all the love and support. We continue to try to grow. Hopefully, I'm trying to get some interview stuff going, um, so stay tuned for that. I know I've said that before, uh, but really would like to put my nose to the grindstone and get some people in here. That will help sort of spread the word naturally um, with their audiences as well. But let's get going. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks uh, did not welcome me back to Mexico how I thought. Thought we had game six. It was in Milwaukee. It's the Bucks and six. Everybody knows it, right? It was a perfect day in the city of Milwaukee. It was as nice as it's been in the last 50 days. Um, I know the weather's been great all week. Um, been in Mexico, which I'm sure you guys know. So I didn't know that. Um, but I carried the good weather back if we're going to be the cliche boomer term of that. And it all sort of set up for this Bucks and Six moment, the Bucks advancing. How can the Celtics sort of get off the mat? And I said, I, tw- I had a tweet early in the, in the day, and I was like, you have to put your foot on the throat. You cannot let them up. And if you let them up, they're going to think they, they believe. And sure as shit, the Celtics started out hot from three, and the rest is history. The Bucks were, were only down, were down one, two actually. With Giannis Antetokounmpo having 19 points in the first quarter. He had 19 of their 26. Uh, Giannis had 44. The rest of the team had 48. Giannis put the team on his back, but nobody came with him. Nobody joined Giannis in a game where they desperately needed Chris Middleton. It was reminiscent to the game six against the Phoenix Suns, where Giannis had 50 points. But what's lost in that 50-point effort is that Chris Middleton hit big shot after big shot, to essentially put the Suns away and give the Bucks the NBA Finals. That gets lost in discourse because of the the greatness of that game from Giannis Antetokounmpo, and it was truly great. And that game hung in the balance and, and until really, I think like the last like three minutes, like if I have to remember and recall, um, it wasn't necessarily like a done deal from the start. But Milwaukee did not do what I wanted them to do because I felt like this Boston team would fight, they'd put up an effort, and Milwaukee had never really got themselves in a position to go on a massive run and sort of end Boston. Really, that second quarter would have probably been the opportunity, but it didn't happen. Milwaukee only scored 17 points. Giannis was slow in that quarter. I think he only had four or five points. That second quarter, to me, is really the difference of this. Boston gets out to then a 10-point lead at halftime, um, and it kind of divulged from there. Uh, Boston just kept hitting shots. I think they were 11-17 in the first half. Uh, They cooled down in the second half. Water kind of found its level. But at that point, it was too late. And when water found its level, Jason Tatum rose from that water. And Jason Tatum had an all-time game. Mitch and I have been joking about the notion that Tatum is a top-five player. Uh, We've called him top-five Tatum, um, not necessarily online or anything like that, but when we're at the bar watching the game. And Tatum looked like a top-five player last night. Jason Tatum showed why a lot of people think that he could be the next great superstar, why he could win MVP awards, why Jason Tatum matters in the NBA ecosphere, I guess is the way to say it. 
Um, and I saw Bill Simmons say, like, this isn't a Tatum game because that's usually reserved for, like, a guy who's not that good, which I didn't know, but okay. Um, I guess that is a thing. But, yeah, you have to celebrate Tatum's greatness. I don't really like Jason Tatum. I think he bitches way too much. I think that once Tatum learns to not complain about every fucking call and actually get back on defense, um, he's going to be a much better player. But he's a young guy, all right? So I'm not going to, like, necessarily throw all sorts of water on his great performance because it was a great performance, and sometimes you just get beat by a guy going off. That said, I still think they could have won. I still think the Bucs could have won this game. I still think the Bucs could have, and there was just a lot of weird shit happening in this game. Number one was George Hill. George Hill was an absolute nightmare. George Hill, the fact that Bud is ride or die with George Hill, to me, worries me that Coach Budenholzer is the next Mike McCarthy. I'm not there yet, and that take to me is simmering. That take is in the kitchen, I will say. It's not yet in the oven baking, but... They we're, we're thinking about baking it, all right? And I don't want to bake it, but I, I just, I worry that Mike Budenholzer is too stuck in his ways. And something I tweeted out when the Bucks were losing on game five was I was like, was the reason they got rid of P.J. Tucker because Mike Budenholzer didn't want to put up with his shit. Because P.J. was more of a coach on the floor and they kind of went away from some of the stuff that Bud did. And that Bud didn't like that. George Hill has always been his guy. He's had George Hill... They have a long, long relationship. He's he's kind of like with Doc Rivers and DeAndre Jordan. He is stubborn and playing his veterans versus playing Javon Carter, who had a really, really good first two games. Now, I think Javon Carter is terrified to shoot the basketball, and I think that's part of a problem and part of the reason why. Maybe Javon's not out there, and I know Eric Name pushed on, and credit to Eric for asking those questions, but George Hill was a significant issue in this game. Another significant issue is Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen should not have been on the floor to start the second half. I have no idea why they decided to go back out with Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen in the first fucking half was a minus 29. All right, plus minus isn't like the end-all be-all. But Grayson Allen, the moment was too big for him. It was evident from the goddamn get-go. Yet, we're putting Grayson Allen out in the second half. Why? Why wouldn't you go out with Conanton? Why wouldn't you just say, all right, Pat Conanton... Defensively, Pat is a little too slow for some of this, all right? And maybe it's that. And maybe it's because you can hunt Conanton, and that's why. But Pat Conanton showed up last night. Pat Conanton was the only other guy who really gave a shit last night, all right? And maybe that's a little too harsh. I'm sure they all cared. But it that's how at least it felt. And I don't understand why Pat Conanton is, wasn't out there to start the game. Not start the game, sorry. Second half, like... That, to me, was exactly a moment where you needed Pat Connaughton. And yet, they decided to go with Grayson Allen. And guess what? The Bucks continued to lose. They continued to fall behind. And they did not make any sort of major impact in terms of getting this thing back to where it needed to be. They kind of crept. They crept. And then that Jason Tatum fella came back and delivered the fucking ruckus. So that, that's a factor. That's that's a real issue. And will this Tatum game come back again? We'll talk about that in, talk about that in a little bit when we do game seven. Start the fourth quarter, Tatum goes out. Coincidentally enough, the Bucks pull the lead to four. Um, it's four points, and all of a sudden it's looking like maybe the Bucks are gonna make this push. Tatum comes back in, delivers pretty much what I felt like was the dagger. Felt like that I was like, there's no beating this guy tonight. He is on another planet. But why? Why didn't Drew Holiday pick up Jason Tatum? after he got back in that basketball game? 
when Jason Tatum got back in that basketball game, and I'm, I think Holiday was out there, you have to put Drew Holiday on him. That is a that like I I don't get it, and I realize that switches happen and everything like that. But at some point, it's like, all right, we're going to throw whoever on Jalen Brown and let Jalen Brown beat him. And maybe Marcus Smart, whatever. And also, as something pointed out by Mitch last night, like, where was the full court pressure? Nobody picked up full court. So what? Are we are we gassed? Are they tired? And they're like, coach, we can't do this. And this is just there. Or were they saving something for maybe game seven? I don't know. I have no idea. It was a bizarre game. And to have no one else show up except for Giannis is inexcusable. And I hope there's a long look in the mirror from a lot of those guys. And you can't play, and we'll get it, let's get in the game seven here in a second. But, I mean, to waste a 44-20-6 game from Giannis is depressing. It, 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 I'm crestfallen thinking about it. Because it's like, that's an all-time game. That's how you close out a, a team. And the fact that nobody else came for Giannis is just disappointing. And I really hope something changes on Sunday. Now it's Game 7 on Sunday. The notion of the fact that the Bucks don't have home court, I don't think really matters. I know everybody's going to be flapping their gums saying they ducked, they ducked Brooklyn and this, is now, this was the thing to worry about and everything like that. Let me say this for the hundredth fucking time. They did not duck Brooklyn. They were comfortable with a top three seed. They wanted to make sure that they didn't play Toronto in the first round. That was, I think, goal number one. A Toronto-Miami path was not going to be the greatest thing. That To me, that's like chewing nails. We can get to Miami if we have to deal with that on Monday. We'll talk about that because I'm a little nervous about it, honestly, truth be told. Um, but uh, we can talk about that Monday if that happens. I and mean, maybe we won't. And on the second point, you have the best player on the court. No matter what, no matter what Jason Tatum did in Game 7, Giannis can replicate that in Game, in game 7. Giannis can have another major game in Game 7. Giannis is an absolute freak. He is unlike anybody else on that basketball court. So Giannis, to me, is still going to be the best player no matter what arena we're in. We could be at fucking Mars, and Giannis is the best player on the court. All right? The Bucks were playing three games in four nights. The Bucs did not really want to go out there for another game against a Cleveland team that was going hard. Remember, trying to fight for their playoff position, Milwaukee was like, fuck it, man. We don't, we're don't. we playing three games in four nights. No one wants to get hurt. Could you imagine? Like, here to me, what would be the most ironic thing is like, what if Middleton got hurt in that game to start? And it's like, oh, well, they should have rested all their guys. Because that's what the motherfuckers would be saying. All right? That's what they would be saying right now. They were like, well, they should have rested. They could have Chris Middleton. Because that's the dumb fucking media that we have today. And we don't have people who just can take a little bit deeper look into something. And look at, potentially, there's a lot more of this than just, hey, maybe they're ducking Brooklyn. They weren't ducking shit. They could have beat, they could have swept the Nets if they wanted to. Alright? And home court has not mattered in this series. The Bucks have won two games in Boston. The Celtics have won two games in Milwaukee. It does not matter. Home court has not been a thing in this series. This is as close to the NBA Finals as you're going to get. It's actually, in a weird way, unlike Brooklyn and Milwaukee, which I said last year was the NBA Finals, which is true. Which was hilarious to hear someone saying that this was the Finals. They're like, can't remember the last time this happened. I'm like, it happened last year. Last year, that, that, that was the Finals. Now, we got a great Finals with the Suns. 
But I thought the Nets and the Bucks were the two best teams. And what was weird in that one is the home team held serve until game seven. The Nets won the first two. Bucks won the first next two in Milwaukee. Then the Nets win game five. Bucks win game six. And then the Bucks pull out game seven in overtime. This is not like that series. The home court has been non-existent in this one. And maybe home court will finally matter. That Boston crowd will be rowdy as fuck. In a weird way, I kind of think the Bruins game matters tonight. So Bruins play the Carolina Hurricanes. Just follow me along with this one. A lot of people who are Bruins fans are also Celtics fans. Um, This is probably the most hockey talk we've done in a long time. So appreciate it. Although, I gotta say, I'm a little more dialed into the hockey playoffs than I've been in probably three or four years. So credit to, I don't know if that's ESPN's credit or if it's just I'm hearing more about it, whatever. It doesn't matter. So if the Bruins win tomorrow, you're going to have a just almost pissed up fan base, right? It's like, oh, Boston, city of champs, yada, yada, pump your chest, all this, all this shit. If they lose, it's going to be like, oh, are we going to go through this again? Are we really going to lose two game sevens on a weekend? And there's a little more doubt and maybe a little more just like, I don't know how I should feel going into this and a little more tightness, I guess, from the crowd than normal. The only way the crowd matters in this game is if you let the Celtics get going from three early. You cannot have it. You have to be switching. I realize they can't switch the entire game. They're not good enough. It's it's just the, the Bucks are at a disadvantage without Middleton. Now, maybe they get Middleton back. Dara Melendez has reported that. Um, and I, I think I trust Dario at this point. Dario's been a pretty good source journalist, journalist at this point. Um, so maybe they do get Middleton back for... 15 minutes off the bench. Like if, that's, if that's what you get from Chris Middleton and you tell Chris, hey, can you just shoot in the corner and shoot threes? I, I don't know how Middleton will play. I'm not expecting anything from Chris Middleton. If he does play, I really am. I'm not. I, it's complete house money if you have Chris Middleton out there. All right? But you cannot allow for the Celtics to get going early. And that was something I said on Friday, and I'll say it again for Sunday. It's like you cannot let them get going. If they get going early... That's when the crowd can get into this. And that's when the crowd can drown you out. Now, Game 7s have been proven to be rock fights, right? Usually, Game 7s are absolute slobber knockers. And it's best of the best. It's bring your boat. Anything can happen on Game 7, but it's usually the best player can come out on top. So I still feel good that the Bucs can win. I can't believe the spread's 5. I think that's outrageous. Um, To me, that's... A lot of public on Boston and getting the public to bet Boston. Um, I think the spread should be about three. Um, kind of like an NFL thing, right? Where it's like an even matchup, but you give the home court three points. That's what I think you should have in this series. Because I think five is outrageous. But that's here in order. The Milwaukee Bucks need to find something other than Giannis. They need to stop at the isolation. Um, the isolation has been way too much. Especially with Drew Holiday. Like I understand Drew wants to score. But like send a pick. Like, have somebody come in and set a screen. Whether that's content, whether that's Giannis, whether that's Brooke Lopez. Like, free him up. Like, get him going. All right? Like, I, I feel like the Bucks, and this is credit to the Celtics defense, but the Bucks have way too many possessions where it's just like, I don't know what the fuck to do. I'm just going to dribble that shoot. And then instead of just moving the ball. The ball movement in game one was so fucking good. It was awesome. That ball movement has been non-existent since game one. They need to watch Game 1's tape. The Buck, the best game the Bucks played was Game 1. 
I thought game three, there were moments, I think, where the Bucs were really good. Um, that first and third quarter, I thought the Bucs were excellent in that game. And if it's not for the refs, I really do think that's a blowout. Um, the refs slowed down that game in game two, or in quarter two. Um, so watching those those quarters, and even game three, or even quarter three of game four, like watching all those quarters and being like, what did we do in those? What's different about those? That we can sort of frustrate Boston. And is there an opportunity where Milwaukee could jump out to a lead and actually lead at halftime and hold a good position instead of trying to be the comeback kids? They've done it for so much of the series. And frankly, I don't know if they can do it in game seven. I, I feel good about Giannis Antetokounmpo, but I, I worry that there's just a not, not enough arsenal if you're down eight or nine heading into the fourth quarter again. Boston was 140-0 when they were tra- up by nine at home in the fourth quarter, and they actually lost. Now, the Bucs have given them breath. The Bucs have Jon Snow resurrected the Celtics. The question is, is will the Bucs be able to take down Lucky and the Celtics in the garden on Sunday? It will add to Giannis's legacy. This series has added to Giannis's legacy, whether they win or not. There will be a lot of haters that said Giannis couldn't finish, Giannis couldn't this. I'm telling you, if Chris Middleton was out there, the series would have been over in five. I really feel strongly about that. I do. I think, I, think, I mean, I think the Bucs do get blown out in game two. But I, do they lose game four without Chris Middleton? I don't think so. Game five, I mean, maybe, maybe they don't come back. But it, if it, anything, it goes six. Chris Middleton's been sorely missed in this series. And if he comes back, great. But I, like I said, I, I don't think we can expect a ton from him. We just need the other guys to step up. And I can't trust Grayson Allen. I can't trust George Hill. I'm kind of out on Brooke Lopez right now. I like Brooke, um, but I don't know if I can trust Brooke right now. Not with Time Lord out. Now, if Time Lord comes back, I think that Brooke Lopez then is going to be a factor. And, and here's a, also a sneaky thing. I wonder if Time Lord is actually kind of bad for the series. And I almost wonder if Time Lord is able to play, I wonder if he comes off the bench. Because I kind of think the the reason why the, this thing has tightened up and it's looked more like the Celtics in the last couple of games has been the Rob Williams, ain't Rob Williams not being there. Now, one of the other things that I think we have to think about that we can't discredit is they played a lot of minutes on Friday when it comes to every really everybody. I mean, Tatum played 43, right? Smart played 40. Brown played 41. Horford played 38. He had two points, by the way. Al Horford, I told you this. I know Al Horford had some awesome games, but I said at some point Al Horford's going to start to wear down, and you're seeing it kind of out, out in the open. Um, Derek White was a real factor in this game. I thought Derek White played really well. I think you're going to have to slow down Derek White. He couldn't hit a shot, but I thought... He was very effective. I mean, he was plus nine, so it makes sense. He had nine points. Um, and anytime Tice is out there, I know he was plus four, but I would love to take advantage of Tice. I think you will see really a seven-man rotation from Boston, and I think you'll see a seven-man rotation from the Bucks. I don't know if George Hill will be out there. I don't think he should. Um, I think it's Holiday, it's Giannis, it's Pat Connaughton, it's a little bit of Brooke Lopez and Wes Matthews, and, and that's it. But you can't play George Hill as much as, as he did. And Bobby, we all love Bobby. Bobby is a legend in Milwaukee. But this has been the worst series of Bobby Portis' Bucks career. 
I realize he had tip in, uh, in game five, and I realize he had 14 points, but there were so many moments where Bobby had an opportunity to strike, and it was, just wasn't hitting. He kind of found it in that fourth quarter, but let's not let that be the only thing about what Portis did in game number five. All right, I've talked enough. I mean, if you, I guess if we want a prediction um, for it, I will say that the Bucks will win. I think it will be a rock fight. I think the Bucks come up top, and it's ends something like 98 to 92. Um, I think the Bucks are able to kind of pull away. They have some big moments in the fourth, and Giannis has another massive game. And we're on Miami, but we'll see. As for the city of Milwaukee, so there were now up to 21 uh, that were shot last night. Um, 10 people are in custody. Um, it sounds like everyone can will be able to recover, but it was an absolutely disgusting, embarrassing night for the city of Milwaukee. Now, this didn't really happen near the Deer District. It happened in Water Street for those who... Don't live on Milwaukee. Um, the Deer District is probably two or three blocks uh, south of really where all the chaos was happening, shall we say. But the first shooting happened on Highland, um, right on and Martin Luther King Drive, right by where the where everything took place. Like that's right by the Deer District. That's very close. Uh, apparently, I didn't know this, but the, all the bars shut down at 11:30 last night. They enacted a curfew. And basically, a lot of people lost money. A lot of bartenders who you know rely on a, a massive Friday night with it being sunny and beautiful, and the Bucks playing like they lost money tonight. DJs lost money. A lot of people did not succeed and have a good night. They are pissed off. Everybody's mad. Everybody has their Instagrams. Do better. Yada yada. Okay. I think where it comes down to this is it can't just be everybody be mad and, and be raiding on social media. It's like we actually need change immediately. We don't need, even if the Bucks lose on Sunday, this can't happen again. No matter if there's not a sporting event that has that meaningful to the Brewers play in October. And even then, I don't know. By that time, the weather changes, things could be different, right? It. The fact is, is that Water Street has been a disaster for the last, really, since the pandemic, since the reopening, I guess, if you will. And nothing has really been solved from it. And these, they're good bars on, on Water Street, right? Those bars deserve a chance, just like the bars on Brady, just like the bars on in Cathedral Square, just like the bars on MLK or Old World Third. All those bars deserve a fair fight. So how do you make it fair? Well, I think you can't let people drive through it. I realize water is a thoroughfare. I understand that. But I think that the first thing you do is you kind of make sure that you can't drive on Water Street after 9 o'clock. And that's it. After 9 o'clock, it's shut down. No one can drive. They usually do this a little bit, but you do that. You also make sure that people go into bars. You ask people, hey, are you going? where are you going? Why are you, you know... If you're just standing around, it's like, get into a bar. It's like, oh, we're not 21. Got to leave. You're out. Simple as that. Or you get tickets for loitering. And that's pretty much it. Because to me, the things that are being started are not necessarily inside any of these bars. This wasn't like a fight at Brothers, okay? Or a fight at McGillicuddy's backyard, all right? Like, not, that didn't happen. It was on the actual street itself. So that means that people are just fucking hanging around can't be a fucking hangout, all right? It just can't. And if we're going to continue to have success, as the Bucks do, it you just it, you have to figure out a way to make it safe for everybody. 
so that we can everyone can enjoy this. The DJs can make their money. The bartenders can make their money. The managers of these bars can make their money. All right? They all deserve better than what the fuck happened last night. And I realized that there were a lot of excitement. Everybody was out last night because, again, as mentioned in the open, it was the first good night in like 50, 50 fucking weeks. Not weeks. 50 fucking days. Right? It's a great Friday night. Felt like it was going to be this awesome evening. And not only did the Bucks lose, we look embarrassing. I would have rather had us lose and everything just as normal as any. Rather winning and still having to deal with the shit. Because even if we had won last night, this would have been bad. And I don't know if a PSA from Giannis, I don't, I, if he, he can't do that right now. But maybe that's something for next year. Maybe that's something to say, hey, we got to keep, we gotta keep our, our city clean. But I don't know what a PSA does. I don't think it does much. And so I think you have to look at a lot of different solutions. People will adjust. You're like, well, what about Ubers? What about Lyfts? How do you get cars parked? What do you, what do, you do if you park your car over there? Can't fucking park your car. I don't know. I don't know. You figure it out. You either say that lot. You do some works with the lots. You have you know Uber pickups, Lyft pickups. You'll adjust. They'll figure it out. Everybody will figure it out. You, Unfortunately, the bet has been made. Now we have to have solutions. We can't just sit by and let this fucking happen again. And it sucks. I have a, I'm hosting a party next Friday or next Saturday night. And it's around, I guess it's not really in the Water Street area, but it's like, now I have to fucking combat with this. Now I have to talk to the people who live in the suburbs. And they're like, are you sure it's safe? Like, and, and like, it's, that's terrible. That's terrible. I have to fucking do that. And really everyone will be okay. But it's just like, God damn, we got to be better. We got to be better. So I hope, I hope this is just a blip on the radar and not a sign of things to come this summer. Because I'm getting really sick and tired of having this conversation. All right, we'll be back on Monday. Um, we won't have a live reaction after the game number seven. Um, I am out. I'm actually not even going to be at the Broadhouse. I'm visiting my mother Late in Mother's Day. Um, so, but I will be watching. Um, I talked to her. I was like, well, I don't have to watch it if you don't want to. She's like, no, I love you. I won't let you miss miss the game. So I was like, okay. And she's like, and so yeah. So no, no live after the fact. Um, but when I get home, um, I will do my damnedest to have a reaction, um, good or bad. So it has it's right up there for you uh, first thing Monday morning. Um, so you'll have that podcast. And we'll be back all week, um, Mitch and I and everything else. And kind of schedule, I'm sure, will be dependent on if the Bucks advance. And if the Bucks do, great. If they don't, uh, well, we have a long way to go and we have a lot of birds to talk about, I guess. And kind of the aftermath of whatever that looks like. All right. Take care, guys. Have yourself an awesome Saturday. We'll uh, check in tomorrow. See you. Bye.